Hi, everyone, and welcome to the GoTech Please Don't Die podcast, a show devoted to tech going and hopefully not dying. I'm Nathan. I'm Evan. I'm Matt. And this week, I just hate the general concept of South Florida. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Two close losses to, well, one was a very good team, but still not feeling too great here coming up on, what, three weeks to play before Frisco? Yeah, I mean, hopefully they can turn it around, but we're running out of time for that to happen. I mean, uh, the game today gives me a little bit more hope, but the game on, on Thursday was uh, was pretty rough to watch. Yeah. Uh, that's that's putting it mildly. Yeah, we're recording a couple days early because of, you know, the Super Bowl and then also Valentine's Day. So uh, <laughs> but also yeah. to just get this out of the way as quickly as possible so we can preview more baseball stuff because that starts next week. And uh, that's what we really want to talk about. So let's I propose that we get through this pretty fast. Yeah, sounds good to me. The FIU game was Less than fun because after a 14 to two run early helped the Bulldogs create a 20 to 12 lead early, a 10 minute period without a single point scored by the Bulldogs allowed FIU to grab a lead. It was 40 to 32 Panthers with 14 minutes left in the game. Finally, some shots started falling and Tech retook a one point lead with three and a half minutes left, but FIU had the lead again with 17 seconds left up by three. Kobe only hits one of his two free throws. To make it 64 to 62, Denver Jones, the FIU player, grabs the rebound and is fouled, but he only hits one of his two, giving Tech still some hope. They are still alive, down by three, 65-62 with 13 seconds left and the ball. A three-pointer ties it and forces overtime. Kobe Williams drives to the bucket, dishes it out to Crawford at the top of the key, but before Isaiah can even get a shot off, Kobe is called for the charge and that effectively ends the game, and FIU wins 66-62. to 62. Yeah, I mean, brutal brutal game from um, really our whole team. I mean, Kobe has 16 points, which is pretty good, but he had nine turnovers. Nine turnovers. Yeah. Just absolutely brutal. Um, you know, he actually fouled out with that charge, too, which, I mean, there's 10 seconds left, so that doesn't really matter, but it just shows you, like, you know, he's playing 33 minutes. This is our best player, right? He, he's turning the ball over nine times. Just not a good night to be in a bulldog blue uniform. Yeah, he wasn't alone with the turnover issues either. Isaiah Crawford had six. Jordan Crawford yeah. had three on the night, 23 total, which is a season high for the Bulldogs. And what we had talked about last week, FIU was going to try to win this game by forcing turnovers and scoring in the fast break. They got the turnovers. They got 23 of them. Uh, taken away from the Bulldogs. They only had eight fast break points, so the Bulldogs were able to rally back on defense a little bit better than, I guess, some of the other teams that they faced. But they were still able to turn those chances into scoring opportunities in a way that Tech really wasn't able to. Yeah, I mean, just sucks to drop this one. You know, we said last week we really needed to win one of these two games, and this felt like the more winnable game, but, you know, we didn't shoot well. We turned the ball over too much. It just just wasn't a good start to the trip. We took yeah, 31 three-pointers as well, which is just like not really what you want to see on the box score. Well, um, eventually, we just knew the shot wasn't falling either way, so you might as well get it out of the way and shoot it from three-point land then try to drive to the basket and miss there. Yeah, it's it's always bad to see that rolling 10-shot field goal percentage bottom out and stay bottomed <laughs> out for a little bit. Uh, for now, until they shut down all the Twitter bots, uh, we tweet out little little graphs on the GoTech Stats account, and one of them shows if you just take an average of the last ten shots, what's the field goal percentage? And for a solid, looks like four or five minutes, 
Tech's rolling 10-shot field goal percentage yeah. was zero. That means there's a lot more than 10 shots in a row that were not made. Am yeah. I right? Is that how that yes, works? Yes, that's exactly how that works. <sighs> yeah, let's, let's just move right along, because I don't think there's much else to say, except we have to mention FIU's floor is atrocious. It's an abomination. I hate watching a game on that floor. As a viewer, you're like, why is the court, like, smaller? You know, there's like a wa- a big ocean wave coming onto the floor basically and you can't really see where the uh where the out of bounds line is and uh it it messes you up yeah i really think that if you're going to print water on the court you should just actually put some water there (laughs) like just steer full into doing the beach volleyball but with basketball vibe and you know yeah if it happens to be high tide it happens to be high tide (laughs) matt did you see any of this game i saw us lose i guess we also us lose yeah, the most important part of the game is the outcome, of course. So I saw yeah. that we lost. Yeah, and then we also saw the Bulldogs lose a couple nights later, or I guess a couple days. It was an afternoon game in Boca Raton where the Bulldogs fell to the Owls. Can't figure those Owls out this year. Apparently we beat Rice, but not not FAU. Yeah, I mean, this one, this one was at least a good game. I mean, uh, I'll run through it here. Um, stop me if you've heard this one before. A quick run early puts Tech on top, but... Then uh, Tech slows down and the opponent cuts into the lead. You know, it's kind of back and forth towards the end of the half and it ends up tied 41 all at halftime. Uh, the next 10 minutes includes some truly bad basketball from Tech. And FAU jumps out to a 65 to 50 lead with nine minutes left. Uh, I believe there was a 16-0 run in there from the Owls. The dogs battle back, though, but it's a little uh, a little too late to take the lead. And Tech gets it tied on a an and one opportunity from Kobe Williams with about 30 seconds left. And, you know, just to add insult to injury, you know, FAU decides not to win it in regulation. They miss their three pointer and can't get up a, a put back. So we go to overtime and Tech is not able to get it done in overtime. Uh, hitting just one of five three-pointers and missing the only two free throws we had. Kind of stayed close, but never could get back into uh, an actual striking position. And FAU claims their 24th win and 16th in a row at home, 90-85. to 85. Yeah, yeah, it's the kind of game that gets your hope up. Just, uh, you know, rip it out from under you. Yeah, yep. it, was, uh, it was a little depressing. I know that we're... Well, 13 and 12 on the season now, so just dangling right above 500. Yeah, I mean, it, it sucks because this game, like, we actually played pretty well. Like, it, it wasn't, you know, the FIU game, we played pretty terribly. Um, you know, we still turned the ball over too much in this game, but Isaiah Crawford, for that stretch where we came back from down 65-50, Isaiah Crawford was dominant. I mean... I think you mean Isaiah Williams? Oh, God. Yeah, uh, was it? I counted twice that the. I think it might have been three or four times. Yeah, um, and I kept just thinking of what Chris Mykoski told us, basically that like the the non-neutral announcers are supposed to be neutral, and they couldn't even learn they couldn't even learn the difference between you know our two best players' names who have been on our team for several years, who also have completely different play styles and look you know look very different. They're you know about six inches apart from each other. So, anyway. Yeah, Isaiah Williams slash Crawford uh, <laughs> looked great, I thought, in this game. Yeah, Isaiah Crawford feels weird to give him his actual legal name. Tied a season high with 25 points on the night. 
So yeah, can't really complain too much from him. And kind of the Bulldog effort overall. FAU is a good team, not even just a good yeah. Conference USA team, a, a very good team. Uh, a team that, unless something changes, will probably get an at-large if they don't win the conference tournament in Fresco. But the Bulldogs shot 52 or 51.7% from the field. That's the best shooting percentage allowed by FAU all season. Mm. Thanks, Kane McGuire, for that nugget in the recap post on the tech blog. But we played well. We lost, but we played well. It was an away game. We forced overtime against a team that has what, two losses on the year. If this hadn't been a season where this keeps happening to us, right. I would feel pretty good. But moral victories are already kind of hard to count as victories as they are. And you string enough of them together and they're yeah. just nothing. I mean, it shows that, I guess, like during the conference tournament, if like we can play, we can hang with these teams that are, you know, way better than us in the record column and, you know, Ken Palm and all that stuff. But like we can at least like play with them. We're not getting blown out. Right. But we haven't gotten the job done in a game, right? Like we've lost to UAB by single digits twice, lost to North Texas by two, um, you know, and lost this game in overtime by five. So, I mean, it's, it's not like, you know, maybe that's something to build on in the conference tournament as a fan, just, Hey, we, we only lost to this team by five in overtime when we played them before. So maybe we have a chance. I don't know. And we'll play them again in the last game of the regular season as well. So mm. That'll be Maybe. demoralizing. Yep, the uh, last game at the TAC, too, for some of these players. Yeah, I mean, uh, other thing I wanted to mention from this game, that Keiston Willis uh, three-pointer in the first half. I don't know if y'all remember oh, yeah. that. But, um, that <laughs> got kind of like, like need out to, to half-court kind of right before the shot clock buzzer. Keiston goes and collects it, and uh, I think realized at the very last second that he just had to throw up a prayer, and it just, you know, nothing but net. Like, just found the absolute bottom of the net. Um, <laughs> that's the kind of thing that would piss me off so bad if I were a fan of the other team. I thought it was well short. I was like, is this even making the free throw line when it came off his hand? And somehow <laughs> it was a it rainbow shot. To, yeah. Matt, were you fortunate enough to see any of this game? No, I've been really busy with, uh, you know, we're gearing up for the Super Bowl here tomorrow in Kansas City. So, mm. uh, no, I mean, I kept up with it on my phone and saw it went to overtime and, it looked really competitive based on the tweets yeah. I was seeing, uh, but I saw they lost an OT by five. It's admirable. Yeah, I, I don't really know what to make of this team. I, I realize it's a new coach, new system. So thirteen and twelve kind of stinks, given that the team's been better in years past. But going on the road and going to OT against FAU isn't bad. But next year, I'd like to be able to say that Tech's winning those games. Yeah, you got to at least win some of them, right? I mean, yeah, I think like. Going down 15 on the road and then clawing your way all the way back and, and forcing overtime, that says something about the character of this group and their ability. But, you know, again, it's like, yeah, but we said the same thing about North Texas and we still lost both of the, you know, at the end of the day, it's 0-2 in those two games. So, you know, at, at some point you got to find the will uh, and the way to win out of that. So, um, yeah, but... All in all, obviously, 0-2 on the road trip this week. Not great. Yeah, definitely. And hopefully we'll be able to turn that around this week at home. So returning to the TAC and hopefully returning to some winning basketball. As Tech faces two teams that they've lost to already this season. Time to rectify some past mistakes. On Thursday, February 16th, this game is on ESPN+. Plus at 6 p.m. Central against North Texas in the Greek game and pink out. 
actually pink game. It's not even a pink out. So I'm not really sure what that means. It's presented by Origin Bank, though. So there's that. Then also on Saturday, 2 p.m. against Charlotte. Both of these games, turns out, are streaming on ESPN+. But Evan, what can you tell me about the last time we played North Texas? Yeah, I was there. Um, We were down, (laughs) I think, we were down, I think, 18 in the first half. Um, Really clawed our way back into it. It, But ultimately, um, I think Kobe had a had a sort of desperation half court three at at the buzzer that did not go in for the win. Crawford had a really good game, 25 points. Uh, Kobe led the team in assists with five. So, yeah, I mean, it's always a battle when these two teams play. It doesn't seem to matter, you know, what's going on. Uh, North Texas has been really, really hot lately. They've won seven straight games. Um, including wins over Charlotte today and UAB on Thursday and double overtime. So uh, hopefully maybe they won't have enough time to rest from that double overtime game, but it's a week later. So uh, probably not. So, yeah, I mean, North Texas is very good. They're second in the conference and and, you know, sort of hanging around, hoping FAU will drop some games. Unfortunately, they don't have FAU left on their schedule to try to play because they lost the two games already to the Owls. Yep. Uh, but they'll try to make up some ground in the standings against Louisiana Tech. And the computer polls are predict a close game, at least. This one may be interesting. Ken Palm gives Tech a 39% chance to win, 62 to 60. Massey mm. is a coin flip, 50%, 61 to 60 predicted. And ESPN BPI gives Tech a 46.1% chance to win this game. So it looks like North Texas is favored to win, but... You never really know when it's a close game like that, although we've had quite a few close losses this year. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I'll I'll go ahead and give a prediction. We're just going to skip over the players to watch and stuff because we just played them and, and we want to get to baseball. So yeah, I can't I can't see it as anything but a close loss. I'm going to say like 61 to 59, another two point loss um, at home. You know, hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully that can be flipped and it'll be a close win. But I want them to prove to me that they can do that first. Yeah, I'm with you. The part where I disagree is I don't think it'll be particularly close. I think it'll be like an eight point, ten point loss. Oh wow. Um, that is closer on the scoreboard than it really is. This team is lost right now, the Bulldogs are, and I hope they find their way. But it, it feels like every game follows the same script of jumping up jumping on top, falling behind, coming back in like way too little, way too late, and maybe forcing overtime like against FAU, but usually not. And something needs to change, and I don't know if that will change this week, especially with a North Texas team that's pretty good. Yeah, it's fair. Matt, Matt what do you think? Uh, I don't have Tech winning this. Uh, UNT and FAU and these teams are – they're just better. And Tech does look lost right now. It's been kind of disappointing to see some of these outcomes. So I don't think it's going to get any better anytime soon. So I, I have Tech drop in this one. I don't know by how much. 8 to 10 sounds about right, though. Uh I might ride along with Nathan's prediction there, but yeah, I got a tech loss. Yeah. So after that game on Thursday, we'll have Charlotte at the tech a couple days later on Saturday. Uh, Again, this game also on ESPN plus last time these two teams met uh, tech fell by two points in a final score of 68 to 66 in North Carolina. Uh, This was the game where tech went on a 13 to two run. Uh, late in the second half to take a two-point lead and then only made one shot in the final five minutes. And so Charlotte was able to come back and win this game 68-66. to 66. I'd prefer if we don't repeat that performance, but that sounds pretty close to that script that I mentioned before too. Yeah, I mean, the previous game we played, they had their leading scorer was um, 
this guy, Bryce Williams, their shooting guard, who went off for 31 points. He averages 12 points this season. So (laughs) uh, 12.6 points this season. He went off for 31 of their 66 points. So we're going to have to figure out how to stop him. Lately, Charlotte in their last five has lost uh, three games and won two. They beat Western and UTEP. They lost to FIU, FAU, and Rice. So uh, definitely a little vulnerable here. Um, they're behind us in the conference standings actually right now. Um, so this is really a must win at home for us um, against a team that's that's kind of been through similar struggles, you know, lately like we have. Yeah, unfortunately for the Bulldogs, though, the computer pulls favor tech and it could be a nice win if the Bulldogs are able to accomplish it. Ken Palm gives Tech a 58% chance to win this game, 65 to 63. Massey gives Tech a 68% chance to win this game, 68 to 63. And ESPN BPI gives Tech a 56.2% chance to win this game. So apparently, no matter what, Charlotte's scoring 63 points. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'll, I'll ride with that. I'll say we win 69 <laughs> to 63. There we go. The computers can't be wrong, right? They have to score 63. Yeah, that's what the Matrix has taught me. Matt, what do you think? Yeah, I, I got Tech one in this game. I think they're pretty evenly matched. Uh, Tech's at home, so I'm taking Tech in this one. Yeah, same here. I think actually Tech's the team with 63, but they still win it. Hmm. I think that there was a glitch in the matrix and they got the wrong team to score 63. <laughs> I'd take it. Yeah. Uh, the Texters won both their games. Oh, so yeah, that's right. exciting. Uh, Optimism. They, they beat FIU on Thursday, 76 to 65. They beat FAU uh, earlier today, 68 to 56. Um, so nice double digit wins there, uh, by the texters in both of those games. Um, I believe I saw that Keona Walker became the 11th player in tech history with 1800 points in her career. So that's cool. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, next week they'll play the same two teams, uh, North Texas and Charlotte. Uh, I, I don't have Massey pulled up in front of me right now, but, uh, I do though. Against North Texas, the Texters have a 46% chance to win. Final score predicted of 61 to 63. And Charlotte is a lower odd at 40% with 59 to 63. Apparently a lot of 63s this week uh, scored by the other teams in computer polls. All right. Well, go go Texters. Hopefully they can win, you know, one or, or ideally both, but at least one of those on the road. All right. And now on to baseball uh, for this. We previewed baseball a little bit last week. Uh, but we're going to do a little more in-depth of a preview this week. And to help us with that, we're going to welcome um, a guest to the show, Cody from Rightfield Dogs or at RF underscore dogs on Twitter. Uh, say hi, Cody. Hey, guys. Uh, glad to be here and glad to just support Tech Sports and just show baseball to the world. Oh, yeah. I think we're really overestimating show. our audience a little bit if it includes the world. But uh, <laughs> it's great to have you on. Someone in Saudi Arabia is very happy. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, our Palau. Yeah. So uh, baseball, one sport that I can't believe I'm saying this. I've been looking forward to uh, better than all the other sports LaTeX has to offer. Uh, still weird saying that, but. Uh, yeah, I'll uh, I'll go ahead and give the little recap from last season in case you forgot. I don't know how you would have, but. Uh, the Bulldogs went 43 and 21 last season, winning the Conference USA tournament in Hattiesburg. Hell yeah, down with USM, uh, and earning a spot as the number two seed in the Austin Regional. Um, ultimately, the Dogs fell short in the regional after beating Dallas Baptist and having a hard fought battle with Texas. Um, 
but ultimately losing that game and then dropping their final game of the season to Air Force the next day. Um, so to speed up a little bit through the offseason, uh, Tech was picked to finish first in this new look CUSA without the Sunbelt defectors. Um, but only two Bulldog players were named to the preseason all-conference team. That was catcher George Corona and starting pitcher uh, Jonathan Fincher. So a couple names missing from that list, I think. A couple. In, in most of our opinion, anyway. But, you know, I said let's fast forward through the offseason a little bit. But actually, I, I don't want to fast forward through it because uh, while Nathan, Matt, and I do not live in Ruston anymore, um, Cody, you do, right? So you've been going to a lot of the open scrimmages and practices and things like that, right? I think I've only missed like two. Wow. Wow. And you, are a, uh, you are an avid fan. Yeah, yeah. So I guess before we even get to that, like, obviously you're going to practices, you're going to scrimmages, like you're a pretty big baseball guy, right? Tell us a little bit about yourself and like why, why you're into, why you're that into the Bulldogs, right? Cause you're, yeah. Cause I, I'm scratching my head big time because uh, no one gave a shit about baseball in Louisiana uh, growing up when I was a kid. So please, please divulge. Uh, so I grew up playing baseball. Baseball's in my family. Um, I wasn't talented. I was fat and lazy. So by the, by the time I was third grade and it really got competitive, I got uh, just basically just stepped away. I've always loved watching baseball, love the analytics, love how things go and how it's coached. Um, my little brother plays baseball, travel baseball now, and I just really fell back in love with it. Got to Tech. Uh, freshman, sophomore year, really didn't do a whole lot with baseball. Well, freshman year. Sophomore year, I lived right behind the left field wall. Oh, yeah. Um, and so I was like, you know what? I'm going to every game. My parents are paying for my tuition. Picked a good year. <laughs> I did. Um, yeah. And so I was right there on the right field wall. Every game, me and my buddies um, really clicked with Steele. Steele Netterville, love that man. Um, he's probably one of the greatest influences that I've had on my life. Um, just really awesome guy. My friends joked um, about me creating a Twitter page because I went to every game and I'm a pretty good heckler. Um, it's just something I've, I have a natural gift for. And I, I can hear really... it in that very Southern draw voice. I can hear it very well. <laughs> oh, yes. And I, I have a large set of pipes. The Lord blessed me with just this massive <laughs> lung capacity and I can yell and bounce my voice. Choir off the master pipes. Um, and so I, I started my right field dogs page as a joke, never expecting it to be what it is now. And now I'm up to like 447 followers. I bought the Twitter blue check because I want to get my name out there a little more. And I sure. just love the camaraderie and just the closeness that tech baseball has and the excitement that it brings and the happiness and joy it brings to Rustin. Because like y'all said, it's probably the only sport that tech has right now to look forward to and be happy, be happy with. Well, I hadn't planned on crying tonight in the pod, but uh, well, uh, here we are. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that that's great to hear because like, like Matt said, I mean, he and I, well, he and I were at Tech in, together in 2012 and 2013, and uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I used to go like sit. I, I also lived in those apartments right behind left field, um, not the ones that can actually see the field, but the ones behind those. Um, but I would Close go sit down at the little picnic table and uh, and like do homework and stuff while the games were going on, just to kind of you know take it in, you know, while I'm sitting there reading or whatever. Um, and there'd be maybe me and like 12 other people total, <laughs> including the people like in the actual stands, like paying yeah, attention man. to the game. So, um, and Nathan, of course, 
Nathan, of course, has been into baseball, but even then it was hard to find people to go to games with until the end of my time there. It felt like no one gave a damn about tech baseball. I, I sad to say I never went to a game and now that they're fantastic. I I wish I had, but I never went to a single game when I was uh, at tech. Uh, Real quick. It's funny because like when I came, when I came up to visit tech, like for timeout for tech, my mom and I went to a game and we, we played Fresno state who I believe had just made oh, yeah, it they won college. or won. They the, won the college. They, they won the win? college world series in 2008. And like yeah. tech was losing like 11 to one and we were about to leave, but I was like, Oh, let's just wait one more inning. And then they fucking came back and scored. <laughs> like they won the game 12 to 11 or something like that. And then I was like, well, well shit, I'm like, I'm sold now. Um, yeah. I'm not going to LSU. I'm going here. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, Obviously, getting back into baseball the last five or so years, uh, both through doing this show and then also because the team kind of demands our attention, right, is has been great. And and I think that's part of the allure is like the the culture around the program and like, you know, the whole thing about, you know, the tornado and, and nobody left. Nobody transferred out after the tornado while they're sitting there playing at Rustin High and stuff like it's just like a fun group to cheer for. Right. Yeah. And hopefully this year's team will also be fun to cheer for uh, quite a few new faces in the roster, but also some familiar ones as well. Uh, we went through a lot of this last week, but uh, Cody, is there a player that let's, let's start with the newcomers. Actually, is there a newcomer right now that is just standing out to you more so than all the other new faces? Raleigh Hector. The dude is a dog. He's a competitor and as the weeks have gone on in fall practice, he's really come out of his shell. And when he strikes a dude out with two men on and strikes you out looking or strikes you out swinging, he has just this energy that that exudes him that is insane. Oh, man. A&M lost a hell of a pitcher when they decided to not give him a chance. And I am so happy he's here. Yeah, and it- I- we talked about him a little bit last week because I listened to that interview he did with uh, with Ben over at Bleed Tech Blue, and like that's that's really exciting to hear that he's got kind of that swagger to him. Like, is it sort of like Krigger where he's like you know pacing around behind the mound and stuff like that, or is it a different type of energy? It's, it's completely different because he can go from cool, calm, and collected, and just like an assassin on the mound, and then just explode after the pitch. Um, which is it's. It's like uh, two face almost. Like he's got two personalities, and when he flips that switch, man, it's like whoa! Like this dude's got it. That's awesome. Can't just point out one though. I I, I have to point out another guy, and that's Dalton Great. Davis. I, I don't know. Actually, I'm, I'm probably just fixing to go down the list because <laughs> the, all these guys are great. Dalton Davis. I don't know if y'all know the lore behind the orange stealth bats back in the day about how illegal they were because balls are flying so fast off of them. I swear this kid swings one. Every ball that he's hit just land like the he, dude never gets out and oh, wow. just the power he has the the plate discipline he has he's a great first baseman um i mean the dude just claws and scratches at the plate um and you have a guy like jonathan hogart who transferred in that's another guy i call him mr automatic i mean i i don't think the dude's had a bad day in fall scrimmages ever like his, his bad day is going two for three with two singles i mean and if you have that guy on a roster i mean good lord I mean, just that's just manufacturing runs. Yeah. So, I mean, these are these are new names that you're telling us about here. Are they I mean, I know in these spring scrimmages, they're kind of going starters against, you know, non-starters, I guess is what what we'd call them bench players. Are they are these guys 
factoring into the starting lineup or are they going to be sort of uh, rotational pieces this year? What do you think? Hundred percent, but both uh, all the all three of those guys are are going to be starters, in my opinion. Um, just the consistency and the production that they have, to me, again, shows that they that they 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 deserved a spot to be on that field and that lineup. Yeah, I'm looking at the the Diamond Dogs data, and like if you scroll through these tweets, it seems like everybody you just named is kind of featured in as a home run hitter, uh, ex, except for Hector, obviously, but. Um, you know, Dalton Davis hit one, um, last weekend left his bat at 101 miles per hour with a 22 oh, degree okay. launch angle. So, uh, yeah. So also shout out that account yet again, that's going to be a really fun account to, to follow along with this season. Um, but yeah, I mean, Dalton Davis, uh, sounds like is going to be the first baseman. Um, it sounds like Matulia is still recovering from a, an off season injury. So he'll probably be the DH here uh, to start out with instead of playing first base. But, you know, if Dalton Davis is the guy, Dalton Davis is the guy, right? Well, sounds like Tech's starting to attract a lot better talent. And uh, that trends really well for the future and keeping the program uh, great. But, wow. I think it's just the consistency of the the talent, right? Like. For sure. I mean, I think a lot of it goes in the keeping the manager and uh, keeping some of the leadership that's there. I don't think that's going to last forever. I think eventually he'll move on to a, a bigger program. But uh, The New York Yankees. <laughs> sure. Why not? That'd be a curveball. I mean, no pun intended. You're right, Matt. I mean, I, I, no, wait, wait. Matt, you, you intended that pun. I did. I did. And you know what? I respect your call out. No pun intended. <laughs> All right. And then what were you about to say? God damn it. Um, I was going to say, I mean, Matt's right about these guys like love playing for Lane Burroughs and, but not just Burroughs, but the, the other guys on staff too, right? Like it's, you listen to any of them talk and it's the, it's the relationships with the coaching staff that really makes um, tech the most attractive place to a lot of these guys who, you know, yeah, they started out at Texas A&M or we've got two LSU transfers who, will probably uh, play a role this season. Um, Brody Draws from LSU still recovering from a back injury. I would I would say he'd probably fit in the role of a revol- – the DH is going to be a revolving door this year. Whoever's yeah. hot is going to be in there. Will Stafford, the, the dude reminds me of Taylor Young. I mean, he's the guy who's going to go out there, give his heart, and make the plays, and he's consistent. He'll probably be the second baseman, right, is what, what he's playing in these scrimmages. That's that's what I've seen, and that's what I would guess. He's just he's uber consistent, and like even I was talking to my buddy after the scrimmage, he was coaching up a freshman, uh, a freshman third baseman. We have Grant Como. I think he's a redshirt freshman actually. Como wanted some reps at third base. He goes, "Oh yeah, man!" And so they were out there for another twenty minutes after the scrimmage, uh, fielding ground balls, and then they'd switch, and staff would play second, and Como would play first, and they were all just practicing. And it's just really good good to see. I mean, this is a guy that came in a couple months ago and is already being that mentor to the young to the younger kids. I say kids, younger guys on the team. <laughs> and it's just really, really cool to see that leadership already develop from a guy who could come in here and say, I'm better than these guys because I went to LSU, but instead has adopted the culture and has got with the program and is a hundred percent bought in. Yeah, and from what I heard from Raleigh Hector, I mean it sounds like it's the same with him, right? It's it's not like you know, guys come here because they want to be part of that culture and part of that group mentality, not like, oh, I, I was at Texas A&M and I've been on Team USA and all this stuff like so I'm I'm hot shit, right? Like, no, he wants to be part of this culture and and like contribute to the team. And now he's also going to be a starting pitcher on the team, right? So that 
you got to have guys who are who are starters but like you know the whole the whole group is willing to help out with each other and like you know really fit that vibe yeah that's definitely that's definitely a big, a big thing is just that team togetherness and and like burrow says you know just a bunch of junkyard dogs the guys with, the, with chips on their shoulders and you look at some of the backstories of some of these players and you just see how they've clawed and scratched and fought to get a starting spot or just to be here in college playing baseball and it shows when they go out on the field yeah, and some of those guys that they're trying to fit in the culture with that have been on the roster for a year or two already, uh, names that we probably recognize from from the games that we well that we usually won last year, uh, guys like George Corona or or Cole McConnell. Are there any guys that you see kind of breaking out this year that may may not be a new face, but somebody that has really been tearing it up in fall camp that only maybe had a limited impact last year? I'm trying to think. A, a guy I definitely look out for is Jeffrey Entz. He's a transfer from Mississippi State. They, he had some transfer rules last year that kept him out from playing. He's really gotten back into his self and is looking really good. Um, I'm tr- trying to look some other ones. Oh, f- uh, forgot to mention a transfer that's going to be a big impact. Ethan Bates from Arkansas may play third base and close games. What? Y'all thought Krigger Slider was nasty? What? This thing, look, this thing looks like a UFO coming out of his hand. <laughs> what? So, okay, so you're telling me he's going to play third base and then, like, you know, bottom of the eighth. <laughs> Just double gonna... switch, yeah. You what? Can... <laughs> what? Potentially, potentially, yes. That it, it, may, it may just be Fouts walking out of the dugout with a glove, pointing to the umpire <laughs> it's into his hand, and instead of the bullpen gate open, you just see Ethan walk to the mound, throw a couple pitches, and then uh, just at 94, 95 with a frisbee slider that makes people look like they're, like they're babies. Wow. I, I really wish that we had a bullpen cart so that instead of carrying the pitcher out from the bullpen, instead they'd have to drive Bates over from third base to the mound. And then, and then speak, speaking of fireballers, um, Justin Williams, another transfer. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to go down the list and make sure I cover all these guys. He's from Heinz Community College. He's actually a two-way player. He hit like 18 home runs last year at Heinz. What? But, but Heinz realized this kid's got a hell of an arm, and he hasn't pitched a day in his life. He's only pitched one year and is already bumping 94 with a ridiculous slider. Oh, so my watch God. Out, watch out for him as well. As wait, 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 wait a minute. Wait a minute. What is happening? We're I mean, good. All, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's evident. But it sounds like good is getting to be great. And uh, also, shout out Cody. I'm really impressed by what you brought to the podcast, man. <laughs> you're like you're uh, you're very well researched. Yeah, we're so, doing uh, our post interview performance reviews during the show now. No, I just no, like I'm just excited. Like I'm getting excited. Like you have a zeal for the game, and like I'm getting excited, and. I'm, I'm a Royals fan, so I haven't been excited in years. So uh, <laughs> I know, you know, I know how that goes. Uh, no, I, I feel like I've been uh, like been brought up to date r- rather swiftly. So this guy, this two way player, that sounds insane. Yeah, it's it's really funny. You know, Hines was I think Hines needed a pitcher or something, and so they just brought him in. And now now he's got he's got one of those crazy pitcher arm slots, but the dude he wears glasses. And so I swear if his walkout song isn't Wild Thing and they don't shoot flames <laughs> on the outfield wall, I'm going to be upset. Because he's just – talking about the, the maniac closer, he's got that bot where he licks his fingers and slaps his glove and messes with his belt. He's just got that Wild Thing mentality. 
And if I'm hoping Fouts can fine tune his mechanics because if he can, he's going to be just another uh, another bullet in the uh, revolving bullpen that we have. And he also might like DH some games. It sounds like yeah, yeah. Because uh, <laughs> I, I don't know if if y'all remember last year we had Jackson Lancaster who was a who was a two way guy yeah. in the bullpen, and he he popped one over the uh, scoreboard and left, and we had to pick up our jaws from the right field warning track because nobody knew that he could hit a ball that far. Yeah. <laughs> I want to say that was his first at bat, right? It it was, and it was his first career home run. Me and my buddy uh, jumped jumped the fence and went and got the ball off the train tracks because that's where it landed. And gave it to Steele, and Steele ended up giving it to Jackson. The Jackson was very appreciative of it, and it was just really, really cool to see. Yeah, that's awesome. And I'm going down this roster, and there's so much more I could talk about. I don't know, how, I don't know how in depth y'all want me to go. How about this? So we had the yeah. idea of of picking a newcomer of the year, and we've kind of touched base <laughs> on a lot of these guys. Uh, but is there another newcomer that you see really making an impact? There's a couple of the other freshmen that are probably going to be redshirted, obviously, um, just as as things go, I mean, this team has so much depth and that that's what, yeah. if you want to make a long, a long postseason run, you have to have depth. And that's, that's the one thing that Burroughs and his staff has finally been able to build with recruiting and the transfer portal is getting guys healthy and keeping them healthy and having, you know, that backup that you can rely on and the guy behind him and not having the fear of, Oh no, if I lose this guy, who am I going to replace? Right. Right. So we've talked a lot about, you know, the, the depth being, bigger what are you seeing right now that should be the biggest concern or the biggest like thing we still have to work out like as the season progresses i'm, I'm gonna have to go back on what burrow said coach burrow says and that is middle relief i think yeah. it, it's just a, it's just a work in progress they got to find the pieces that work with that um we have a lot of guys in the pen it, i think it just it all depends on which guy works best for that role and I think these first couple weekend series is we're going to figure out, okay, this guy works better in closing situations. This guy's better as a, you know, one inning guy or a two inning guy. And that really just comes with it, fall scrimmages are great, but you're facing the same guys over and over again until somebody faces a new, a new bat and a different kind of adversity. You're really going to see what role they can give to your team. But other than that, I mean, good Lord, I'm looking at this roster and there's not a hole anywhere. I mean, I'm up one through 50 on the roster, and I can't think of any of these guys that can't go out and give you either a couple innings of, of uh, baseball or a couple hits or a bunch of outs. Right. Yeah, I mean, to me, like, you know, some of the people we lost last year, obviously, um, obviously, like Jennings, uh, Krigger being big names out of the out of the pitching staff. I mean, I really want to know who's who's the Kyle Krigger on this roster, right? Like, who's got the balls to go in? bottom of the ninth and get three outs right like who who is that guy and that's kind of the thing you have to figure out like in real games right like you can't say that on you know october 10th or february 11th you got to figure it out when the you know when the lights are on right when the, when the lights come on things get different um to me that you know burroughs has said uh having tompkins bates and williams i've talked about bates and williams landon tompkins him and George Corona at late in a game, you're not going to steal a base. So there's a statistic with baseball about when a pitcher comes set and throws the ball to the home home plate. When Landon Tompkins comes set, from the time he comes set to the time the ball hits the catcher's mitt is 1.4 seconds. Whoa! You give that that little time because you got to think about it. When he moves, when he breaks the plane, that's when the runner can go. So that's 1.4 seconds that the runner has to get from first to second before George the Cannon Corona can fire him out. Wow. 
what's so, the, what's like the normal like what's somebody else's number just for normal is about one six to one eight which I, I know is is not that much but you give george an extra two tenths of a second to be yeah. able to get the ball faster there i mean you're talking about the pitch gets thrown george throws it and whoever's playing second or short catches the ball and stands there and lollygags and waits three or four seconds and then tags the runner because You'd throw to the wrong base accidentally and still get him out. Exactly. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping BYU doesn't do their homework and sees it and doesn't see that George has a cannon because I want him to run because I want a highlight reel because at the end of the year, I want to have George's best hits and just have every, every runner that he throws out and just have them incre- get increasingly larger as the video goes on. <laughs> Well, anyway, yeah, uh, BYU is the first game. Uh, how far out are we from the first uh, series? Next Friday. weekend. Next yeah. Friday at six. Probably yep. Six days. Which is, it's really weird. We're playing on Friday, a doubleheader Saturday, and then a game Monday. Which makes sense because, of course, they can't play on Sundays, and, and I've, I'm okay with that. I mean, you know, everybody. Wait, everybody does BYU be- not play any games on Sunday? No, they That's do not. Right. What? How do you so not know So the whole, like, this? conference schedule, they, like, build around that? I, Bro. I, I I guess they they play a bunch of Friday Saturday double headers, which wow. that's true. Uh, but obviously, none of you have ever received the gospel of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints. So allow done. me to give it. The, allow me to take you on a forty five minute journey through the. All right, <laughs> but here, all right. So after they play Tech for that four game series, Friday, two Saturdays, <laughs> Monday, then they go and play ULL Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Lafayette. Wow. Ooh. That could be a pretty rough trip for them. I mean, they're coming to Louisiana because, nah, you know, Utah is still it looks, frozen. It looks right like a, most of their conference series are Thursday, Friday, Saturday instead of Friday, uh, okay. Saturday, Sunday. Uh, the uh, first series against BYU. So they're playing at the Love Shack. I, I would think that uh, we'd be playing in Provo, which, my God, if you guys haven't seen BYU's campus, uh, man, it's a. Uh, it's a breathtaking place. We played them in football a couple of years ago, and I think I sent some photos to the chat. But go ahead. The reason why we're not is because Friday night the the low is twenty degrees in Provo, Utah. What I'm interested in is like you know we've been able to get out and practice, and yeah, it's been a little colder than they'd like it to be. But you know, I wonder how much how much like live action BYU has gotten lately. And sometimes you see those really really um, lopsided games. Like I think we beat Air Force eighteen to one a couple of years ago. And, it, you know, it's like, man, can they even get on a baseball diamond in Colorado right now? I don't know. Uh, I'm trying to think. Yeah, some teams have indoor facilities. I'm trying to see if BYU has one of those because they have the money. I don't think so. I don't think so. What if we built a base, an indoor baseball facility for Tech before the football team got one? That would, that would, I, w- I would love that because we just, if there's any, we'd tear if down the gym and build an indoor baseball practice <laughs> facility. Just tear down, the old, tear down the old gym. Just tear down the old gym across the railroad tracks and just make another bridge and just build an indoor facility over uh, there. That gym has too much history. Just build it on top. <laughs> there, there, there you go. go. Hold on to a floating one. Anyway, all right. Let's <laughs> let's jump <laughs> back into this. Let's, let's try to wrap this up a little bit. Um, we've talked about a lot of newcomers. We've refreshed on some familiar faces as well. Um, I kind of want to go around the horn and have everyone pick your preseason tech MVP. Like, who do you see being the most important piece on this team this year? Um, and mm. uh, let's actually start with Cody. Don't put me on the spot. That's tough. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we do to guests on this show. We um, just throw them questions and don't give them time to think. I, I got to go with old reliable Cole McConnell. I mean, the dude's just that dog. He got screwed preseason Q's a pole. He's got a chip on his shoulder a mile wide. 
I mean, he's the definition of consistency. And if there's anybody down the stretch that I want to give a bat to in the bottom of the ninth with one gone and I need two runs, it's going to be that guy. Yeah, that's that's a great choice. I'll go next so that nobody steals him uh, for me. I'm going Jonathan Fincher. You talk about old reliable. I mean, this guy, he's he's being named like top 25 starting pitchers in the country. He's he's uh, you know, he's a first team. He did make the all conference list. Um, He's an I think he's been an All-American or or close to being an All-American. I mean, this is the guy right here. Jonathan Fincher, Friday night starter. Um, I saw he's got the most returning wins of any pitcher in the state of Louisiana. Like, I mean, this is the guy. If you need a win Friday night, put the ball in Jonathan Fincher's hands. So that's really important, especially once we get to conference play. He's also report, reportedly hit 95 now, which is yeah. insane because he normally sits 88 to 92. And there's been a couple times the gun has said 95, which is crazy because that just means he's getting even better. Yeah, my guy's a Fincher too. For sure. Yeah. I figured that was going to be everybody's pick, but yeah, he, yeah, there's a reason why he's on the preseason list. There's a reason why he's highly scouted. He's a great, he's a great pitcher. He's our guy. He's the ace. So yeah, uh, Fincher for sure. In 2014, the football oh team oh, got a transfer <laughs> named Houston Bates. Okay. In 2017, Parker Bates started his career at Louisiana Tech. We have a long history with players with the last name Bates doing well. I guess not a long history, but like, you know, a decade or so. Players doing well at Tech with the last name Bates. So I'm picking Ethan Bates, the infielder slash pitcher, the guy we may see scoot all over from third base to the pitching mound late in games. I hope I get to see that. That would be so much fun to see. And I, if we're able to do that effectively, that's scary. Even if he has a bad inning, we can we don't have to pull him off the field. We just move him back over to third base and put a different pitcher in. Yeah, um, imagine being the opposing team and not knowing about that. And then you just see the third baseman step on the mound and you're like, wait a minute, they can do that? Well, Southern Miss knows how, that they could yeah, do it, but we can show say. them <laughs> how to do it say. right. We've seen that not work, too. <laughs> um, but... That was, yeah, that was a very questionable decision by their coach. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you uh, to Cody is, so you've, you've been really following the team closely the past couple years. Sounds like what's your favorite moment so far, uh, either in person or, you know, or just watching, you know, like if, if you want to pick one that you watched on TV instead of, uh, instead of in person. I'll give y'all two because these are top two. The CUSA championship last year in Hattiesburg. Saturday night, I'm in Palma, Louisiana, watching the game with mom and dad. Walker Birchfield walks it off. I look at my dad. I said, I'm going to Hattiesburg tomorrow. I don't know if you're joining me, but I'm going. And I went there, and that game to win in Shattiesburg, in the Mustard Buzzard's house, after they'd given us so much grief, and having to listen to Pat the Sandman Hallmark called 97 freaking timeouts in that game. The Mm. umpiring was crap. And then my hero, Steel Netterville, pushes the ball. The only push hit he's probably ever had in his career, because the dude's <laughs> a natural pull hitter, to just stick it in Pat Hallmark's butt, win the freaking conference <laughs> tourney. I lost my voice. That's the only time I've seen my mom scream that loud. That was great. Number two, tied for, tied for first, the LSU game in the snow. Jacob Berry dropping a fly ball right in front of my face and him looking me in the eyes, and I just called him a moron for seven straight minutes. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I feel that like game, I lived all of those moments with you. Yeah. <laughs> that was awesome. 
I mean, I thought for sure one of your top two was going to be the uh, the Southern Miss doubleheader um, from 2021. But I mean, those two that you named are are pretty hard to argue shouldn't be up there too. So I mean, yeah, that that conference tournament game. I wish I had or the championship um, win. I wish I had been there for that. That uh, you know, watching it on TV, I uh, I probably woke up every person, animal, dog, you know. <laughs> in the neighborhood with uh, the expletives that I was yelling um, at the top of my lungs as uh, as steel rounded first and got dogpiled. So I can't even imagine being there. Oh, I, I still get goosebumps every time I watch the video. Like it, it just brings me so much joy. Yeah. I was watching the, the Dave Nitz call overlay video that I made um, a couple weeks ago. And uh, <laughs> yeah, man, it's like, Wait until uh, wait until we're all at Omaha and Tech oh wins the God. College World Series in a walk off, and Nathan catches the ball. I storm <laughs> the field. Evan disintegrates, and Cody <laughs> enters the tenth dimension. And and then we find out it's actually Texas Tech, not Louisiana Tech. Oh, yeah, God. there you go. Beckham Raiders, baby. <laughs> sure. Um, before we wrap this up, anything else? Any more anecdotes we want to include in this baseball preview? I'll just say I think that we have a. It sounds like we have a super exciting team. Uh, we reloaded in the off season with some tremendously talented players, so I'm pretty pretty excited. And I think the competition got a little stiffer with DBU joining. Mm-hmm. So and and that's what you want. You want to have you want to have stiff competition. <laughs> that's what it's all about. Because to be the man, you got to beat the man. So uh, I love that. I I have, think we have every reason to be excited for this season. Cody really sold me that it sounds like we're going to have some. Uh, some tremendously talented players. So I'm all in for thinking we're going to have a great season, which is the perfect way for me to segue into us having a disastrous season. So um, <laughs> I'm here for it no matter what, but I think it, it, it sounds to me like it's going to be pretty good. Listen, I already, I, I went ahead and subscribed to conferenceusatv.com today uh, or well, cusa.tv. Uh, Cause I, I was like, you know what? I'm going to pay for it anyway. I might as well watch the softball game and the softball team won. So there you go. Uh, four four zero oh, win earlier today. So it's I'm just warming up, you know, CUSA.tv, getting ready for the season. Um, Cody, I know you'll be holding it down out there in right field. And I think we we mentioned your Twitter handle handle earlier, but uh, you want to tell everybody where they can find you online and everything to make sure they follow you. Yeah, it's right field dogs R capital R F underscore capital D A W G S dogs. Um, He's verified. I, so can't I, I, I am. I am verified. Um, that has helped <laughs> me tremendously get my message out to the to the world and to to all the tech peeps. It's actually nice because a lot of the tech parents are enjoying what I do because there's a lot of them that are long distance and can't come to all the scrimmages. And so I, I I feel honored that I'm able to give them the information of what's going on so they can keep up and and hear about what their kids are doing without having to uh, travel as much. Yeah, these past couple yeah, of years have really nice. shown me how great those baseball moms are. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, we love the baseball moms. Gotta love Miss Terry. She is she is oh, such yeah. a sweetheart. Love her to death. Hey, what time is the game on Friday? Does anyone know what time it is? Six p.m. What? Six p.m. Right. Oh, six p.m. Okay. Yeah, I, I definitely yeah, I heard you trying. say it's p.m. I was like, okay, cool. So it's afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I was trying six, to find like, six p.m. Friday on cusa.tv. Uh, then yeah. the doubleheaders at noon and probably forty-five minutes after the game, or somewhere around three. Uh, is when the second game will start, and then Monday at 6 p.m. Anyway, thanks so much uh, for joining and everything, and I hope that, I mean, in the future, uh, really, hopefully, we end up having to have you on before we preview, I don't know, an Omaha matchup. Hell yeah. 
well, well we'll have you on before then too but i mean yeah that let's uh we'll do a live podcast from omaha yes um that's that's the plan for june of this year i've, I've already got, got the calendar marked and uh pending travel plans well i i live exactly three hours from the stadium in uh, omaha so i'm ready when people want to crash pad and although i'm not paying for the hospital bills after we win the college world series it'll be an expensive liver or stomach pump you know, from all the from all the alcohol <laughs> from all the quaaludes i'm going to take so that about wraps it up for this episode of the GoTech Please Don't Die podcast. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at G-O-T-E-C-H-P-L-S-D-N-T-D-I-E. Or head to our blog, gtpdd.dog, where you can still get this month's shirt of the month. It's still February, and it's still a basketball shirt for now. Once March rolls around, we'll probably have some more baseball merch up. But it is a Lady Texters National Championship uh, shirt and sweatshirt that you can still get while it's still February. And you should, because... Still February. GTBDD.dog slash shop. And until next time, I'm Nathan. I'm Evan. I'm Matt. And go tech. Please don't die. Um another another freshman that, that I've seen really shine is Carson Evans. Uh, he's a freshman catcher, catcher, first baseman. The dude just has raw power. I mean, every time he hits the ball, it goes somewhere. I know Tech baseball uh, data has shown a couple of his home runs. They're no doubters. Like there's when he gets a hold of a ball, it's gone. You can pucker up, kiss it goodbye. Every, every little thing you want to say about a, a baseball. Yeah, I'm I'm happy you brought him up real quick to include a not important tangent. We've talked before a lot of times these. Uh, College players will sign with summer leagues to play in the summers after the college baseball season is over. He signed his deal already for this upcoming summer uh, with the Minot Hot Tots, a summer league team based in Minot, North Dakota. That logo is a flaming tater tot. (laughs) And that brings me so much joy. Do they sell hats? (laughs) Okay. You said it was a flaming tater tot. It's a flaming tater tot with <laughs> eyes and a mouth, but also baseball <laughs> baseball stripes on it. <laughs> and he's carrying a spoon with mustard. Just, just in case you forgot what sport this is. <laughs> Man. Baseball tattoos on him. They have a secondary oh, no. logo that's just a dip tray for like whatever dipping <laughs> sauce you want. Incredible. Incredible. Yeah, I'm checking out their merch right now. I'm about to buy this hoodie. Please continue. <laughs> if that team's not sponsored by Sonic, it's a disgrace. I'm just saying. Yeah. Do they have Sonics in Minot? Who cares? Uh, it's, an Sonic angry, it's an angry tater tot, Nathan. <laughs> On behalf of Tech Baseball, I will call Sonic headquarters and say you need to sponsor this team. Yeah, and they've got a very a very menacingly looking tater tot. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if the Sonic brand wants to be associated with a sociopathic tater tot. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>